Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday Evening Podcast. Today, we bring to you a special message from Pastor Brad Wilkinson. With today's sermon entitled, Season's Greetings, here is Pastor Brad Wilkinson. I'm excited about the Word tonight. If you have your Bibles... Why don't you turn with me? If you want to stand for the reading of the word, I would greatly appreciate it out of honor and respect for God's word. We're going to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at a a passage of scripture here. I'm going to read quite a bit, so you're going to have to stay with me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 10. If you don't have your words, you can follow along on the screens here. Maybe you've got your electronic Bible in your hand. Let's read the... Verse number 10 says this, this is Paul speaking, I I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned, come on, touch somebody next to you and say it's a process. I have learned... To be content, whatever the circumstances. And we know this to be true, right? Stay standing for just a moment. We we know this to be true of Paul and not to be some Christian cliche that he says because Paul is literally writing this in the midst of a crazy trial. Yet this letter is known by most theologians, to be the happiest book in the Bible. It's proof tonight. Let let me just go ahead. This is proof. This, This letter that he writes is proof that your surroundings don't have to dominate your spirit. It's proof that my state of affairs don't determine my state of mind. Paul's not just saying this, but he's living this. And he continues in verse number 12 to say, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Perhaps you've heard this passage a time or two. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Even for when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus. Baby name, anyone. 
Now that I have received from, let me say that again, Epaphroditus, the gifts that you sent. They were a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And let me, let me tag on to this, an Old Testament scripture, Joshua 5 and 12. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Tonight, for just a few moments, I would like to speak to you from this subject. Season's greetings. Season's greetings. Turn to your neighbor and say, season's greetings. Come on, turn to the other person next to you and say, season's greetings. Say it like you would if you were at Christmas. Season's greetings. And you can be seated. Season's greetings, huh? What an odd title for a few months after Christmas, perhaps, but... Have you ever heard of the phrase supply-side economics? Maybe, maybe you're more familiar with this term, the, the trickle-down economics. Perhaps you've heard that. Supply-side economics is, is a very controversial theory, and I, I understand that. But the, the idea behind this concept is that production, production or the supply of goods and services is most important in determining economic growth. In other words, by investing in capital, the more goods that are available at a cheaper rate, the better the economy will be. And once again, I, I get that this is extremely controversial, and I'm not here to, to push or even to deny a theory, but I'm here tonight to give you um, uh, an analogy for the type of spirituality that Paul is bringing up here in this passage that we just read. Where he says, I, I have needs, but I'm not needy. And it's in this, this book of Philippians that, that we kind of get a glimpse, really the most personal glimpse into Paul's life and the person that he is because in many of his other books, for instance, uh, the book of Corinthians, when he's writing to them, they have gone astray so bad that his writings are having to straighten them out, to get them back, to bring them back to where they're supposed to be. And so he's having to deal with all of that stuff um, to begin with, and so he can't really perhaps take it to the level that maybe he takes it in the book of Philippians, the, the openness that he has. He seems to let his guard down in this book and share a little bit more openly. And he says, listen, I'm going to share with you, dear Philippians, the the secret of being content. You want to know that secret tonight? (laughs) I'm going to share with you the secret of being content. You don't share secrets with just anyone, right? No, I... I don't, maybe you do. That's not a good friend. Don't do that. You share secrets with who? With people that you trust. 
with people that you care about, with, with people that you've, you've, you've gained their respect and, and they have your respect, people that you trust is who you will tell secrets to. And so these people, we, we know by the passage we just read, were there for Paul during an extremely difficult time in his life and they've earned his trust and they've earned his respect to the point where he says, now listen, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm going to tell you something here about being content. He's not afraid to express himself to this group of people. And he says to the church at Philippi, I would really like to be with you in person, but since I can't, I want you to know that it meant so much to me that you sent something back to me, that you would take the time To send me something in need. It it meant so much to me. More than really I can describe. It's almost as if he's saying. It was just what I needed. I was down. And you blessed me. More than you know. And Paul here. Seems to take a. Supply side view. Of spirituality. Watch this. He. He appears to be less focused on the needs, even though they are great, than the supply, because it is greater. He's not so much focused on the needs, though he has a lot of needs. But instead of being focused on the need, he is more focused on the supply, because he knows his supply is greater than his need. And so as we dive into this tonight, you've got to determine in your own life and in your own situation, are you going to live your life from the need side? Are you going to choose to live your life from the supply side? Are you going to live your life from the need side or are you going to live your life from the supply side? The choice is yours. What will it be? And this is faith's greatest question pertaining to this. Do I see my needs through my supply? Or am I always missing my supply because all I can focus on are my needs? I just believe tonight. That God is going to shift some of us in the house from living from our needs and seeing everything through our needs to start seeing everything from our supply. And it's almost, right, it's almost as if God's saying when you pray, you're always praying about your needs. And I care about your needs. Trust me, I want to meet you at the point of your need. I want to help deliver you from whatever's going on in your life. But if you would spend half as much time thinking about my supply and how great my supply is in your life, you would be amazed at how many of your needs get met. But all we tend to do is see our lives and our situations through our needs. And we're focused on 
what's not going right and what, what's down and out and how the bills aren't getting paid and we allow that to flood our mind and that's all we begin to focus on. And he's saying, no, 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 no. If you would begin to focus on my supply, you would be amazed at the things that get accomplished in your life. And I think oftentimes, right, as Christians, maybe I won't put you in this boat, but I will, I will give you an out and put myself in this boat. How about that? I think I live in this mindset from time to time that, that it's God's idea and it's his plan to get me to a place of no needs. To get me to a place where I don't need for anything. And you get to thinking about it, really, and I start to think about it and say, listen, if I really got to a place, be honest with yourself, where I had no needs in my life, how long would it be before I found myself thinking, eh, you know what, God, I'm not sure that I really need you either. I kind of got this under control. If I got to a place of no needs in my life, I'm afraid that there would be a a sense of pride and arrogance would would set in on my life, thinking, look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, I'm good, God, I don't really need you. If he moved me to that place, I'm not sure that's a good place for you or for me. And so I ask you the question tonight, could it be that the need that you are asking God to eliminate is the very place where God wants to put his supply on display in your life. Could it be, let me say it again, that the very thing that you're asking God to eliminate, could it that be the very thing where God's saying, listen, I would like to put my supply on display for you? And once again, you see the supply side. And once you begin to see it from the supply side, once you see your needs from your supply, it starts things start to get a little bit easier. There, there's a calm and a, and a stillness. In your situations, when you, when you start to understand just how big the supply is when compared to your needs. I know what it is, Paul says, to be in want. I know what it is, Paul says, to have plenty. I I know what it is to have those moments where nobody is with me through thick and thin. I'm by myself. And he's saying, I also know what it is to have so many text messages when I go through a situation that I don't even have time to respond to them. I know what it is to have much, and I know what it is to have little. And this is the essence of this passage in Philippians chapter 4. And if you miss it and you just hit uh, verse number 13, I can do all things through Christ like he's going to go bench press 400 pounds. If that's all we see, 
But it's against this great backdrop of struggle that Paul is saying all of this. It's against the the great backdrop of the situation that he finds himself in that he can stand and say, yeah, 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 through him. I can do all things. It's not in one of those up moments where everything is going great, where the money's flowing, where the children are behaving. That's my world right now. Amen. Where the children are sleeping. Oh, hallelujah. But it's in this struggle that Paul is able to declare the supply and the strength of his God. I wonder if any of us can say that tonight. That in the midst of our darkest hours, we can stand and say, I can still, with him, do all things. Come on, are you seeing life through your needs Or are you starting to see your life and your situations through your supply? And so now, by the time that we get to verse 19, right, Paul is able to say that I've been in need, I've been abandoned, I've been betrayed, I've been sick, I've been broke, but my God is still Jehovah Jireh. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in the midst of a struggle. I've been through it all, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs. You don't even know the craziness of it all. But can I tell you, my God will still provide. My God will still make a way when it seems there is no way. He will still open a door for me when I never thought there could be a door open. That is my God. My supply, my God will supply, my God will supply, my God will supply, my God is my supplier, my God takes care of me, my God, he's my need meter. He takes care of all the needs that I have in my life. He's the way maker for me. He's my stream and the desert. My God, my God is more than enough. That's kind of how marriage is, isn't it? How many of you are glad you're married in the house? Come on, if you're married and your wife's here, you better raise your hand. It'd be a great time. I love being married. I am so thankful that I married a woman who is so much better than me. She takes so, such great care of me, it's not even funny. But, but what is marriage, right? What, what is marriage? Marriage is a combination of needs between two people from totally different planets, right? That's what marriage is. (laughs) If you're married, you know. And here's where a lot of marriages and relationships go wrong. Is that we can actually be trying to meet our spouse's needs. But meeting them in a way that they can't really receive. Because you don't really know 
what they need. You don't really, you, you think you know what they need, but you don't really know what they need. We can ruin a, a marriage trying to meet the needs that we have and putting them on somebody else, projecting our needs on our spouse can ruin the greatest of marriages. And understanding what your wife needs is critical. And understanding what your husband needs is critical. That list is much shorter. I assure you. We will talk about that at a different time. But here's what I want you to do. Turn to Turn to somebody next to you, even if it's your spouse, and they're not going to like you if you say this, but, but just lean to somebody and tell them, you can't meet my need. Come on, come on, turn to somebody next to you, the other side, tell them, you can't meet my needs. You, you can't meet my needs. Another problem that, that we see in relationships, right, is that is when we start expecting people to meet your needs. When you start expecting your husband to meet your needs. Wives, listen, I, I'm not saying that you can't be a conduit in your husband's life of, of meeting his needs. Gentlemen, I, I'm not telling you tonight that you can't be, you know, her knight in shining armor when it comes to meeting. You can't be Superman. You, you can't. You can meet some of her needs, but you cannot meet all of her needs. It's just how it is. And one of the things about having people in your life on a regular basis, a day-to-day basis, is that we can fall into the trap of expecting one person to meet all of our needs. We can think, well, I married her, so she's supposed to, to go down this checklist and meet every need that I have in my life and make me a better person and, and make me complete and make me perfect. Good luck. (laughs) And when we do this, listen, especially if you're in a relationship, listen closely. When we do this, we violate the very nature of the relationship because you're trying to get someone to deliver something to your doorstep that they're not authorized to carry. There's some things and some needs that you have in your life that the people closest to you cannot meet, need. that They just can't do it. As hard as they try, as much as they want to, there's some things in our lives that that people just cannot meet. Come on, shout needs in the house tonight. Come on, shout needs. Needs. One more time. Needs. Needs. And that's why it's so important to learn who God has put in your life. Not only that, but it's also crucial to know who God has put in your life to meet certain needs. This is a good one. We, we hear you, we've all heard this a thousand times. Well, I've got God... And God is all that I need. Okay. Legitimate. I understand where you're coming from. God is all that I need. He's everything that I need. 
And it's almost right as if, if God, I can picture this God shaking his head saying, no, this is not true. You're crazy, people. No, he wouldn't say that about us. No, 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 no. Listen, I've got all that you need, but I am not all that you need. I possess it all. It's all in my possession, yes. I have everything that you need, but the only way that I can get you what you need is through the people that I place in your life. Who do you spend time with on a regular basis? Come on. What needs are they trying to meet? Think about it tonight. And this is why, quite frankly, you're you're the ones that come to church, so you'll completely understand this. This is why you, you worry about people that don't show up to church. Because I I'll just have my own relationship with God. I got it taken care of, I pray at home, and we're good, I mean, he knows me, I know him, and I love that, and I hope you do, and that's great, and that's fine, but the church, ladies and gentlemen, are the trucks and the tracks in which God delivers his supply to you and and to me. Without the church, without joining together and lifting him up. Listen, this is the way that he distributes his blessings to us many, many times. It's through the church. The church is God's plan A. And there is no plan B. We need the church so listen, before, before you cut yourself off from the body, we've got to realize that God, He is our need meter. Your spouse, your friends, what you love to do, your hobbies, your occupations, those are not your need meters. God is our need meter, but the church is the distribution center to which God gets His supply to our lives. We need each other. We need each other. You need the relationships that you formed in this room. And when times aren't going good, you can lean on a brother or on a sister and say, Listen, I need a little bit of help. That's what the church is here for. We're here for you. You're here for each other. The church... Church, the church, my God will supply all of your needs, Paul says. And it's almost as if he is, he, he's hurt in the moment. He, he's feeling this, this pain, and if you listen, you can hear it. And, and we can read, I can do all things through Christ, and, and my God will meet all of your needs. But if we don't read the entire passage, we miss the essence Of how Paul is speaking about God's supply from a place of great need. He says, you see, there was a time when I was in need. And I tried to do good. I I tried to do everything that I knew how to do. 
But things were still not going great. But you, church, you sent back to help me. You were the ones that that came to my rescue. You sent Epaphroditus along with some money to meet my needs. Sometimes people don't need anything but you just being there. Come on, there's people in your life right now that that you can think of that when you've gone through a traumatic situation or the worst time of your life, they're coming to your mind right now that you can say, they were there for me. You don't ever forget people that are there for you when you're way down here. Everybody will be there for you when you're way up here, but you don't forget the people that stick by your side when, when you're way down low. And that's where Paul is in this moment. I was in need, and you helped me. You couldn't be here with me, but, but you did all you could, and I appreciate it more than you know. And we've got to get to a place, church, as, as Paul has here, where we learn to value people that can't give you what you need as much as you value people that can give you what you need. And you can't hold people hostage because of the needs that you have that they can't meet. And the heart of the message tonight is is written through a passage that we we haven't even read yet. Paul is, is talking about this. Listen, that you sent this great man Epaphroditus to me to help me. But now we've got to talk about him a little bit because... He has fallen ill and he's sick. So Philippians 2.25 would say this, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. Sure, Paul, I'm sure you do appreciate him because if history holds up, it says that he traveled about 800 miles To be with you. He traveled 800 miles to come by your side. Yeah, you appreciate him. You're grateful for somebody that would do that, that that couldn't jump on an airplane and fly 800 miles, but traveled 800 miles to be with you. You sent him to be my encouragement, and I'm grateful. He took care of my needs, he helped me along the way. And verse 26 says this. For he longs for you all, as if he's homesick, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. And this is what amazes me so much about this whole passage, is here we see Paul awaiting the verdict in what would be the greatest decision of his life, the verdict that would eventually lead to death. And in the middle of this trial and this tribulation, the greatest thing that he will go through in his life, Paul has... He has enough sense and he has enough faith and he has enough courage to put the needs of the church that he started in front of his own needs. I'm literally awaiting the verdict of death, but listen, I, I know it's tough for me, but I'm thinking about you in this moment. Really? 
wow, I'm not sure that that I could say that about myself in that moment. I, I want that to be true for me. But Paul says, listen, he's... He's helped me. He desires you guys again, and he's fallen sick. And so now I think it's best, even though I'm not well and things aren't good, that he come back to you. And so I will send him back to you. And here is the secret that Paul is talking about. In essence, he's telling us the secret to saying that God can meet all of my needs is even when I am in great need. I am still thinking and concerned about your needs. Even when I'm at my lowest point in life, and it would be the easiest thing for me to do, is to focus and to think and to dwell on how bad everything is. He says, listen, I've got to get past that because I am focused on you and I'm focused on what's best for you and on your feelings and how you care and and how your life is. This is not an easy thing to do for anybody. What a perspective that Paul would say, I'm going to send him back to you, this man of great help. And Paul understood something about the provision of God. And this is where Joshua comes in that we read about. Joshua, centuries earlier, centuries earlier in the Old Testament, Joshua is leading the people into Canaan. Canaan, as you know, is the land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the land that God was leading the children of Israel towards through Moses. And Moses brought them out of Egypt and Joseph took them across the Jordan and into the land that God had promised. And in chapter 5 verse 12, after really they were standing on the border of their promise... And this is powerful, catch this, because I think this is where many of us find ourselves so often. We've been asking questions and we've been feeling needy and wondering why certain resources and sources of supply have been cut out in our life. And the Bible says this in verse 12, the manna stopped the day after they ate the food from the land. The manna stopped. Quick history lesson here. Give me just a moment. The Israelites come out of Egypt where they, where they were slaves. And they, they come into the wilderness where now they have to learn to be survivors. And you do understand, don't you, that, that when you are a slave, there are certain needs that you have met. And certain pleasures, stay with me, that are enjoyed. There are certain ways That you have some needs met, even as a slave. But when they left Egypt, when they walked out of Egypt, they started missing these types of meals that they would get in Egypt. Interesting. And watch what happens in Exodus chapter 16 verse 3. Because you realize freedom is an acquired taste. They said this, Moses... If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us out here in this desert. 
to starve us. And here's what happens. He lets them out. They move into a new place, but they were addicted to the old means. And so when they get to the new place, when they get here and they felt hungry, they start missing the place that they used to eat from. Memories start creeping up of how good it used to be, even though it wasn't very good. Trust me, it wasn't good, but, but that meal was sure good. Woo! I had pots of meat, we were sitting around grubbing, and now all I have is manna. Day after day, manna. Things used to be, oh, I mean, kind of decent. I, oh, I'm missing yesterday. And so it would be okay, right? Their assumption would be, surely God must have brought us out here to kill us so that we would die. Because I, I'm not sure that, that we're going to be able to survive out here. It's kind of like this. In the winter, and tonight would be the perfect night. This is amazing. There is a certain drink that I enjoy. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not water. And it has to be cold, right? I don't know. Anybody ever heard of hot chocolate? Anybody ever heard of hot chocolate? It's called hot chocolate. Actually, it's not called hot chocolate. It's called, I have to look at it to make sure I say it right. It's called mocha spiced hot cocoa. Don't you call it hot chocolate. Mm -mm. So much better, I, I promise you. It's like... I don't know what's going on, but you can have the worst day in your life. Not really, but go with me. And you get home, and it's just like, Cassidy, my wife, is, hey, here. Thank you, God. It's so warm, and it's so great. Like, I really can't describe it. The best way I know it, okay, if my kids are running around screaming, like, this allows me to tune out as if they are nowhere around. It's that good, okay? That's a miracle. In fact, I think it's so good that the only, I just can't tell you about it. I want to give you the recipe because I want you to understand. Just show them what all's in here. Come on. Mocha spice hot cocoa, not to be confused with hot chocolate. This is way better. One and a half cups of milk, half a cup of semi sweet chocolate chips. You had me at hello, chocolate chips. Two teaspoons of instant coffee. I know, but it's good. One fourth teaspoon of cinnamon, and wait for it one fourth teaspoon of chili powder. Boom! I'm telling you. Somebody take a picture of this. I want to hear how good it is on Sunday. Yeah, I see your phone's going off. This is amazing. It's delicious. Fantastic. And sometimes I get wild. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's, 
You know, this is, perhaps people would say this would be best in the winter, but there's times when I come home, I'm like, babe, it just sounds so good. It would make everything right with the world again if I could just have a cup of mocha spiced hot cocoa right now. And she will look at me. She's the sweetest woman in the world, but she will look at me like I'm an idiot. I deserve it. I get it. Honey, it's July and it's 110 degrees outside, and you want mocha spiced hot cocoa. Let me make you a fresh peach pie. Who has fresh peaches? My wife. I, she does. Like, that's what, here, babe, let me, let me make you a fresh key lime pie or, or some, you know, some ice cream, or something summery. Babe, if I wanted that, I would have asked for that. I love you. I want mocha spice hot cocoa. But watch, stay with me. In essence, here's what she's telling me. Hey, honey, in our kitchen, this is a seasonal item. In our kitchen right now, honey, this is a seasonal item. And can I stop and just preach to you for just a moment that there's some things in your life and some needs that God has been meeting, a supply line in your life that just might be a seasonal item. And some of you are wondering, listen, I don't understand where it went wrong. I don't know how things got so bad so quick. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm confused. My supply has been cut off. God has left me. He's moved away from me. And I've come to tell somebody tonight that is absolutely not true. He has not left you, but in fact, he is moving you into a new season. And can I tell you, with a new season comes a new supply. Come on, somebody. With a new season comes a new supply line. It may not be like it used to. It may come in a different form. But I can assure you, he's not going to leave you. He's moving you into a new season. And with a new season comes a new supply. Turn to your neighbor and say, season's greetings. Season's greetings. It's a new season. It's a new season. So here's a few things before we we leave tonight that we need to know about the provision of God. Number one, God's provision is seasonal. So the next time, listen, the next time you're leaving Egypt and you, you feel the hunger pains begin to creep up. And you wish that you were back over there if only for just a moment because you don't really know what God is doing in your life in this time. And you feel like I'm trying to follow God's will and do everything that he's asking me to do. But, but I still keep gravitating over here. Can I just tell you, you can stop and say in this moment, devil, no, no, no. Go ahead and get out of here, devil. I'm in a new season. God is moving me to a new arena. And it may not look like it did yesterday. But he's going to show up for me today. The provision of God is what I need for this season. The day that they left, 
It changed. For 40 years in the wilderness, God promised his provision to the Israelites. And he did it in a supernatural way. He rained down manna from heaven. 40 years. 40 years. They got so used to it, right, that they started at one point complaining to Moses. Man, all we ever get is manna. All... Come on, Moses, it's manna. This is all we ever get around here. What what can you do about this? Did you know that sometimes you can become so familiar and accustomed to, to blessing in a prolonged season that you start to pray against the very thing that you used to pray for? They wanted something different than manna. Bible says it was sweet like honey. They ate it for 40 years. And so they crossed the Jordan and they're preparing to fight the battle of Jericho. And the Bible says that when the manna would come, it would just, it would just fall and they would go out and gather as much as they could for what they needed. They had eaten manna for 40 years. And one day, Johnny comes out of his tent. Oh, go get my manna for the day. Get my bucket. Oh, where's my bucket? Oh, ouch. Kick the old furniture again. Nope, my bucket. Let's go outside. Walks out. That was my walkout. Sorry. Sounded like I had gas. I apologize. (laughs) If I did, that would have been a great time. I'm just saying. And so... He reaches, he like, goes to get his manna, right? That's what you do back in the day. You gotta go get, wait. Uh, I don't see my manna. She's gonna be mad when I come inside. Where's my manna? Uh, hey, I know what I'm gonna do. Hey, that was better. <laughs> hey, Bob, I, I think the angel must have dropped my portion of manna off at your house. <laughs> Can I get my manna? No, I was about to come knock on your door and ask you the same thing. My manna's not here either. Can you imagine the fear that must have gone through their minds even for just a moment after 40 years of provision of manna? And all of a sudden, it's not there. Have you ever, have you ever showed up to a place where there's been provision for so long that you took it for granted. So now it's gone from what is it to, to where is it. Many times, listen, many times God will allow seasons of your life where your faith is the weakest to be the most miraculous moment in your life. I remember times in, in college when people would randomly send me you know, gift cards to certain restaurants, just, just small blessings that would keep me from eating ramen noodles all the time. You know what I'm saying? And, and I remember coming home specifically, and Pastor Johnson, and this won't surprise you knowing our pastor, would just slip a little bit of cash in my pocket. And this is some of the stuff that he would say, hey, go have a cheeseburger on me, son. Right? That sounds just like him, doesn't it? Or Bluebell. He never said the bluebell to me. It was cheeseburgers back in that day. 
Go, go, have, go have a cheeseburger on me, son. I, I want to I wanna bless you. And that would get me so far. That, that meant so much to me in that moment. It, it wasn't a ton, but it was enough to keep me going. Just this blessing that I appreciated so much. But you see now, I'm not a college student anymore. And so I don't need that like I needed it back then. And now from time to time, I have the opportunity to be the blesser. I have the opportunity to say, hey, listen, I know you need it right now. Let me go ahead and slip this in your hand. Have a cheeseburger on me, man. I know you're in college. I know things aren't easy. Hey, go have a Coke on me. Now it's my turn to be the blesser. I've stepped into a new season. You've stepped into a new season. And I want to ask you tonight, are you the needer or are you the need needer? Are you always needing? Are you able to help meet some needs? Where are you in your life? I'm in a new season. Randy, would you help me? Some of us, right, have been stuck in a survival season. Always needing the encouragement or the blessing in this moment. I have a feeling that God is shifting some of us tonight into a new season in our life. And listen, it's in this season that we learn how to sow and we learn how to water Because if we don't learn how to sow and how to water in this new land, we're going to starve. The manna perhaps has ceased, but listen, now the land that you're in is plentiful. And it's time for some of us to learn how to sow and how to water this new land. God's blessings have not removed themselves from you. They're just showing themselves in a different way. A new supply. If we keep longing for Egypt and keep looking for manna, and we don't ever learn how to live in Canaan, starve to death it's a new season he's moving us to a new area a a new dimension in our lives you know God, God has to cut us off from some things from time to time the man has stopped and the assumption could have been well I guess I guess God has left us out to dry here we go this is great Awesome, thanks God, I appreciate it. But Joshua instead, no, no, no. This means, since we are on the border of Canaan, and this land is a fertile land, this means one thing and one thing only. Now we just need to learn how to work the ground. If we learn how to work the ground, it's going to produce for us. God has not brought us here So that we would starve to death. No, 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 no. He's saying, listen, I will provide for you. 
I will make a way for you. But from time to time, that provision changes. As you step into a new season. And I tell you this as we wrap it up. God will never cut you off from something good. For no reason. Listen. For no reason. You think everything is going good, and then all of a sudden something changes. But, it's, but it hasn't been bad, and all of a sudden it just, it's changed. What? And the, God will never cut you off from something good for absolutely no reason. You, you know what that tells me? It tells me that he is positioning to move me into a season of something greater. He's not going to to remove something good from me and replace it with something bad. That's not the way that my God operates. He's moving you into a greater season. It tells me that he's about to fulfill some promises that he's made to you some time ago. That he's about to fulfill some promises that he's, he's made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I believe that he's transitioning some of us in the house tonight to step into the unmatched promises of God. But you can't get stuck thinking, but yesterday was so good. Man, that food that we had was delicious. Oh, I just, I, I want that, that meat around you, that I had when we were sitting around there that was in the pot. It was so good. I, oh, man. No. No. God's got something greater for you. He's got something more in store for you and for me. And so when we walk outside of our tent and the manna, isn't there tomorrow or yesterday, whenever that was for you, I want to tell you today that it does not mean that God has left you. He's going to feed you. It's only changed forms. Would you stand with me? Some of us need to make this declaration tonight. I'm in a new season. And whatever I don't have in this new season, I don't need. Because I'm in a new season. And God will supply. It's easy. If I'm honest with you, it's, it's easy, isn't it? To feel the moving into a new season. But watch this. The comfort of the old season is so appealing. In this season, I mean, it's good. I'm eating, my bills are paid, my kids are okay. I just wonder tonight, 
If anybody in the house would say, you know what, God? I know there's times when I've been confused. I've been upset. I've been frustrated because you're not showing up the way that you used to show up. You're not providing for me the way that it it used to happen. I wonder if anybody, come on with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would have the faith and the courage to, to slip your hand up and say, you know what? I feel like God's moving me into a new season. Hands all over the place. I want to pray for you tonight. God, I thank you for my friends who are here tonight. My brothers, my sisters. That concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.